D F S. It is Friday, January 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Divisional Round DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Jared, this one snuck up on me a little bit, I got to say. Uh, 11.30 start time here in the East Forest, and I was working on first my final um, underdog pickums article which went live on the site this morning a couple days after usual throughout the season but it's up there and still got 13 highlighted plays for this shorter slate and then we've got round two of the ffpc playoff challenge so i was thinking through that working on an article that i'm going to be posting this afternoon on that as well some different things to think about there and then you know all of a sudden it's like oh yeah there's a dfs slate with some teams still involved here yeah and i don't know about you but this kind of feels like the last week of fantasy football of the year to me like, you know, next week with only two games and you can play showdown. I'm not a huge fan because I, I suck at it, honestly. Um, this So I, I'm honestly, I'm going to probably play too much DFS and too much underdog battle royale this week just because, you know, it's the last time I can do it for eight months or whatever. Yep. Yeah, be, I'll be doing Battle Royale. We'll be doing a show on that a little bit after this one. And I think it's, you know, the last time that there's really something that you can call a slate beyond showdowns, as you mentioned, for next week. We do have four teams, so there will be some games that, you know, some formats that incorporate both of those games, all four teams. But, you know, that's as short a multi-game slate as you can get, obviously. So this time we do have four games left. We have eight teams. We're going to go position by position. We've got both DraftKings and FanDuel together in this one because it is a shorter slate. We're playing mostly tournaments. Even if you're playing a cash game, it's a little bit more of a tournament setup than it is uh, a usual cash game. But we'll start with quarterbacks like usual. And I think, Jared, even with only eight teams left, it's pretty interesting at quarterback because like, you could make a case for any quarterback really on the slate to yeah. be in the lineups. You could. Um, I think the you know both DraftKings and FanDuel did a pretty nice job with the pricing to put all these guys in play. I'm mostly focused on the elite guys, you know, Mahomes, Mahomes and Allen, especially you can obviously make a case for Jalen hurts. Um, I just think with only eight quarterbacks and those three guys who, you know, have been so dominant throughout the season, putting up these 30 plus point games, like to me, there's a pretty good chance that one of those guys is going to be the guy you need to win tournaments. So for me, it's Mahomes and Allen, the guys I'm leaning most towards at this point. Um, and we, we all know about Andy Reid's record, Coming off bye weeks, he's been awesome. He's 28 and five in his career coming off bye weeks, including in the playoffs. Chiefs at home for a bad Jags defense. Like, I just, I don't see it. I'd be shocked if the Chiefs don't put up a bunch of points if Mahomes does not have a big game. So, to me, Mahomes seems like the, the safest bet among these quarterbacks this week. I agree with that. And if you look in our lineup generator, you'll see that he leads DK dollars per point. Um, even as the most expensive quarterback on DraftKings this week on FanDuel, it's Josh Allen. The big difference between the two of them there, because they're pretty close together in our QB rankings and projections. The big difference is the, the three point um, boost for a 300 yard bonus on mm -hmm. DraftKings. Mahomes would get that. We have him projected over 300 passing yards. I think the only way that he lets you down this week is if Kansas City controls this game to the point that they're you know running it more than they usually do. I don't think that that's something you worry about, but on the shorter slate, you know, it's something you consider. And I do think that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes stick out as the two top plays. I think Jalen Hurts is there. I think the limitation with him is the shoulder and wondering whether the team holds back a little bit. There's also some potential for that game to be lopsided. I mean, the only time that they met with both teams trying to win this year, it was completely one-sided for the Eagles. So if, if things went that way, I could certainly see the Eagles pulling back on Jalen Hurts a little bit, even if his shoulder is good to go now. He's not on the injury report this week, so we're not 
really overly concerned. But again, if the game gets to be one-sided like that, it would certainly make sense for the Eagles to protect him some. I still think that there is, you know, all you have to do is look back at last week for the case for playing another quarterback, because I think most folks are going to be favoring Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Last week, we got huge points from Trevor Lawrence in a game where he threw four interceptions in the first half. We got huge points from Dak Prescott. We got big points from Daniel Jones. So all these guys are capable of scoring. And I mean, on the shorter slate, there are only so many ways you can get different. So I, I like Josh Allen. I like Patrick Mahomes, but I also think that it's a week to, you know, play around some, especially if you're entering more lineups. Yeah, I think if I'm not going with one of the elites, um, well, I, I guess I want to talk about Joe Burrow because, I mean, we we have his ownership right now projected at 3%. Um, now, I think it'll be a bit higher than that, but, you know, I, I think most people are either going to go up to the Mahomes, Allen, Hurts tier or say, I'm, I'm going to go cheap at quarterback and play, you know, a, a Daniel Jones or a Brock Purdy. Burrow's kind of sandwiched there at 6,500 on – DraftKings, he is what eight thousand on Fanduel, and honestly, like there's nothing I can point to in his situation that makes him a good play. Right? I mean, the Bills are a tough defense. Burrow's going to be likely missing three of his O linemen on on uh, Sunday. So, but but I mean, it's it's Joe Burrow with you know two of the the best wide receivers in the NFL, priced pretty nice. You know, sixty five hundred on DraftKings, and if he's going to be even ten percent owned, I think you know there, there's a case to be made to play Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think the case for him is that ownership level. I think Trevor Lawrence is similar in that if they're going to be competitive with the Chiefs, then he's going to be involved. If they fall way behind the Chiefs, then he's going to be throwing even more and have some upside there. So I I think there's nice upside. Daniel Jones is one guy I want to highlight. The Eagles went 12 games this season without allowing a quarterback to reach 20 fantasy points. And then four of the past five they faced got there. That included 21.1 for Daniel Jones in week 14. It also included 22 and a half for Davis Webb in week 18. Now, Obviously, as a total game, we're throwing that game out, but the Eagles were still playing most of their guys. They were missing Josh Sweat to injury, but they were trying to win that game and still let Davis Webb score some points. Each of those guys threw for less than 170 yards in those games, but each also ran for a touchdown, and that's been an area in which the Eagles have been vulnerable against quarterbacks. They've allowed the fourth most QB rushing yards on the season, just the 17th most QB rushing attempts. Yeah, and you have Daniel Jones coming off back-to-back games of 30-plus DraftKings points. He had 25 DraftKings points the game before that. Um, he's still cheap. Like there's, there's a great case to be made for Daniel Jones. And you look at our lineup generator, he's our second-best value on DraftKings. Um, so case to be made, I also think he's going to be pretty popular. And I'm, I'm just going to take a stand this week and say I'm not going to play Daniel Jones. I think that the hot streak comes to an I, I'm, I'm playing this week as if the Chiefs are going to blow out the Jags. The Jacks could put up some points, but I think that, you know, the Chiefs win easily. And I think the Eagles win easily. And I would not be surprised if the Giants offense doesn't put up many points in this game. So I'm, I'm generally fading the, the Giants offense this weekend. Well, that brings us to running back where there's a pretty significant yeah. giant involved. What do you think of this running back slate? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to fade Saquon. Um, if I pay up at running back, it's going to be for Christian McCaffrey. It's interesting, you know, Saquon obviously didn't play in the week 18 game against the Eagles. And then he was limited that, you know, that was the game he played only like 35% of the snaps in the week 14 game against the Eagles because of the neck injury. So we haven't really, we haven't seen full strength Saquon against Philly this season, but the Eagles run defense from week 13 
to week 17, you know, again, admitting that week 18 game when they rested starters third and football outsiders run defense DVOA over that stretch up from 25th over the first two, uh, 12 weeks of the season. So, you know, they got Jordan Davis back healthy. They added some veterans on the D line and it's, it's really helped. So I, I think this is a tough matchup for Saquon. I think he's going to have to do it in the passing game, which he could do obviously, but again, I'm going to take my chances and hope he, you know, only goes for, you know, 15 or 18 points. And, and at that point, he'll, he'd be a good fade. Yeah, I mean, did it last week receiving only had nine carries in that game against the Vikings. So we certainly know that he's pop, that he's um, uh, able to do it that way. Um, yep. But I think it's a sensible fade, relatively speaking. Obviously, if you're playing a bunch of tournament lineups, then I wouldn't go full fade on Saquon Barkley. But I think it's OK to say partial fade. I, I think similar for Christian McCaffrey, though. Now, last week. I said something, I, it wasn't on this show because we were on Twitter spaces. So um, if you were there, I said something about Christian McCaffrey getting the ball less when Elijah Mitchell is on the field. And that was the case. He only had 17 opportunities in that game against Seattle versus 12 for Elijah Mitchell. He actually trailed Elijah Mitchell by one target in that game, which is odd comparing these two players. Went for 136 total yards and a touchdown. That's the downside risk. If you fade Christian McCaffrey, he could touch the ball 15 times and add a couple of big plays and score twice and make you pay for it. But he had a 68 yard run in that game that accounted for 50% of his total yards. He had 4.25 yards per touch otherwise. So outside of that one big play, McCaffrey kind of showed the downside risk. And again, part of that is the high salary here, the likelihood that he's the most popular running back this week. So Mm -hmm. factoring all of that in, I think he's still a slight fade for me. Not somebody, not somebody I'm getting away from completely, but you know, at this point when it's more difficult to get different from other lineups, he's somebody I'm okay taking less of this week. Yeah. I think especially the Elijah Mitchell near the goal line thing is a concern for me. I still think the Seahawks Niners game was pretty much over by the fourth quarter. And I think Elijah Mitchell got, you know, a bit of his work, man. I still think there's a chance that, you know, we get a 25 ish touch game from McCaffrey. If, you know, they get into a close playoff game here, which I do think this one against Dallas will be close, but the goal line stuff is concerning to me. The the issue for me is if you're fading McCaffrey and Barkley, like say even just in one lineup, like, you know, who else are you playing at running back? There's some interesting guys, but there's, there's no one else I feel great about. I mean, it's tough to feel great, but Miles Sanders is one that pops to me. He doesn't pop by our numbers on either FanDuel or DraftKings this week, but the matchup's there. We all know that one. Giants 32nd in run defense DVOA for the season, 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Gave up the huge numbers to Miles Sanders in that full meeting that they had back in week 14. Now, the issue with Miles Sanders is how much he has played in recent weeks. That might still be an issue. If he gets 11 carries in this game, he's a bad play. But he's off the injury report this week. Uh, He was listed both week 17 and week 18 with that knee issue that he did play through. Those two games were his smallest snap shares of the entire season. So I think that the knee played a role in that. We'll see this week how much of a role. But I think there's at least the potential that we get more Miles Sanders carries in this game. Favorable matchup. And again, if they do jump out to a lead, you know, maybe even lean further on that running game and pull back a little bit from Jalen Hurts. So I think if you look at his salary, if you look at projected ownership, and if you look at the upside of the matchup, I very much like Miles Sanders across sites here. Yeah, and he's not on this week's injury report, which is nice to see. Um, Yeah, I I think he's a good tournament play. I think there's a chance that we get similar usage to what we saw the last couple games and he only gets 10 carries and, you know, he, he kills you. But the upside, you know, that 30-point upside is there. He's shown it a few times this season, including, like you said, in that 
week 14 game against the Giants. So I, I, I'm going to be mixing in Sanders into my lineups. Um, I'm going to play some Jarek McKinnon too on DraftKings. Um, I mean, the guy's obviously on a unsustainable heater as far as touchdown scoring goes, but you know, last year it was, it was during the playoffs last year that McKinnon emerged for this chiefs backfield. Um, 11 carries and 50 rushing yards per game in three playoff games last year, 5.7 targets, 4.7 catches, 55 receiving yards. And you know, McKinnon, at that point, hadn't done nearly as much as he's done, you know, this year heading into the playoffs. We also have Isaiah Pacheco, who his role kind of seems to be heading in the opposite direction. Just 17 total carries over the last two games for Pacheco, 45% of the snaps, and then 36% of the snaps in the season finale. So, again, and we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire still out this week, too, it looks like. So I wouldn't be surprised if McKinnon continues to dominate passing game work in this Chiefs backfield, but if he also, you know, gets to like 8 to 12 carries in this game. And of course the, the matchup against Jacksonville is really good. The Jacks actually have been decent against the run, but they've allowed the third most running back catches and the fourth most running back receiving yards uh, this season. So yeah, I think it's a particularly good matchup for McKinnon in the passing game. Yeah. And we can all look at McKinnon and say over the longer term, somebody is not likely to keep scoring at that rate, but in the shorter term, he's been getting those touches for a team that scores a lot and throws a lot near the goal line. And as you mentioned, Pacheco has become a bit less of a factor in recent games. So, you know, in these one-off things where you're just trying to win yeah. that week and move on, it's it's definitely makes more sense than it would in, in full season fantasy to keep riding whatever they're doing with Jarek McKinnon right now. For sure. On to wide receiver where salary might make a bigger difference here than it does at any of the other positions and especially on DraftKings. But if you look at the FanDuel lineup generator page for, you know, both slates, we've got Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, Debo Samuel atop the dollars per point. We've got T Higgins, CeeDee Lamb joining them at the sub $600 level if you're talking about dollars per projected point. On DK though, very different group up top. Richie James, Zay Jones, Juju, those guys are ahead of Jamar Chase, Debo, T. Higgins. Then we've got right behind them, Darius Slayton, Brandon Ayuk, Gabe Davis, Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd. So, Jared, for me, the takeaway here is to pay a little bit less attention to those dollars per point and chase upside over value this week. For sure, yeah. And again, yeah, I think to me, the quarterback you're playing is going to dictate at least one, if not more, of the wide receivers are playing. So you start there. And you can you can make a good case, obviously, for all the elite guys. Jamar Chase, Steph Diggs, both of the Eagles wide receivers. C.D. Lamb is in a you know maybe a sneaky good spot. Maybe it's not so sneaky. You go on to DraftKings and you see the Niners as the you know 28th-ranked defense against wide receivers. So everyone will see that it's actually a pretty good matchup for Lamb. But you know, he was kind of quiet last week. Maybe he goes a bit overlooked this week. But you know some of the mid-priced and low-priced guys I like. I mean, T. Higgins, to me, on DraftKings, 5800 bucks that – that's just disrespectful. I'm going to play a lot of him and just, you know, hope he, he, he shows DK what's up. And then, you know, he, he's not a $5,800 wide receiver. I know he's been quiet the past couple of weeks and really even looking over the past like six or seven games, Jamar Chase has kind of emerged as the clear top guy in this wide receiver core. But again, like you said, in a, you know, in a one game sample, there's a chance T Higgins is, is the guy for the Bengals. He had, you know, again, quiet the last two games, but 29.8 DraftKings points the game before that, that was the Patriots game. He has four, total games this season of 26 plus DK points. So he, he has the upside. And again, I just think he's, he's way too cheap. He, he has the same upside as those elite wide receivers that are priced, you know, in the, in the seven K's on, on, on DraftKings. 
I'm not sure what to expect from Debo Samuel's rostered rate this week. A team high nine targets last week, yeah. six catches, 133 and a touchdown. So he's he, he's not going to sneak up on anybody. He's not going to go overlooked. Also had 32 yards rushing. But we also had a big game for Christian McCaffrey. I right. think he'll still be the most popular running back. I think that will affect the ownership for Debo. It's a different slate, so I think people will be more willing to play both of them together than in a normal DFS week, but I still think it'll affect them. Some George Kittle's out there, Brandon, Ayuk, a potential differentiating type pick. And it's a loaded stable just in general at wide receivers, even outside of the 49ers. So it's easier to get away from Debo Samuel this week, this game that you already mentioned for CD lamb though. If you look at our adjusted fantasy points allowed, this game has the two best wide receiver scoring matchups by adjusted fantasy points allowed remaining in the league right now the team's still playing so i really like the debo cd lamb game stack here i don't think you need to play either quarterback for that Mm -hmm. one to make sense you know most weeks you would want to play some of both quarterbacks with that but you can play those two guys on this particular slate you can play them with like a daniel jones isaiah hodgins or richie james stack miles sanders you can get some savings you can get some differentiation there and then you can fill around that with even some more popular guys, some more expensive guys uh, to, you know, just fill out your lineup. Yeah. I, I love the lamb Debo idea. Um, Debo, by the way, so he's only played two full games with Brock Birdie. He has 10 and nine targets in those two games, 27% target share in the first one, 30% target share last week. Also got the three carries last week. So, you know, even with the uh, McCaffrey edition, they're, they're still looking to get Debo the ball on the ground. So um, then he had Dallas 26 and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. And a lot of that's come lately as they've you know, dealt with all these injuries in the secondary. So I agree. Uh, Debo and Lamb both, you know, have, have excellent matchups this week. Three carries for Debo is pretty noteworthy with not only McCaffrey in there, but also Elijah Mitchell around and healthy for that game. And Elijah Mitchell was involved in the first half. He might've gotten more later, but he was on the field in that span as well. So clearly San Francisco is back to getting the ball to a healthier Debo. Um, anything else you want to highlight at wide receiver? Yeah, let's talk Richie James. He's he's my guy this week, especially on DraftKings at thirty nine hundred bucks. I mean, I do think on these short slates where ownership condenses, like you do need to find like the one low owned guy, ideally for cheap. That you know doesn't even go off, but you know if we can get fifteen points out of Richie James, like I think that's going to be really helpful in tournaments. So you know we we've been attacking the Eagles slot receiver defense all season. They're 31st in adjusted points allowed to slot receivers and their starting slot corner Avante Maddox is out. And it's really been when Maddox has been out that they've been getting gashed for the most part by these slot receivers. You know, Richie James is the Giants primary slot receiver quiet last week because his route rate was down, you know, Slayton and Hodgins had uh, bigger games than James, but you know, he, he had been a, you know, close to a full-time player for, you know, the month or two prior to that. He went for 19.1 DraftKings points against the Eagles back in week 14. He also has, you know, he went for 17 DK points in week 16, 20.6 DK points in week 17. So, you know, he, he had been, it, it kind of been James and Hodgins as the top two Giants receivers heading into the playoffs. Again, Hodgins did it last week. James didn't. But to me, in this matchup, um, I, I like James better, relatively speaking, considering he's cheaper. And I think he's going to be much lower owned than Hodgins is. Yeah, I think he'll definitely have those two factors working in his favor here. My only concern is if the Giants play things the same way they did last week, we're talking about James running a route on 63% of dropbacks versus Isaiah Hodgins on 100%. So 
if I get in there and that salary matters, if I, if I yeah. can't fit Hodgins with whatever else I'm doing, then I think James is a pretty easy choice over him. Otherwise I like the upside on Hodgins. You know, I, I think Hodgins will be higher owned. I don't think he's going to get too highly owned for that to really mm-hmm. take him out of my lineup. And with James playing less last week, we still, we got Hodgins running 41% of his routes from the slot, which as you mentioned is a good place to attack Philly. Yeah, Hodges is a thousand dollars more expensive on DK, um, eight hundred dollars more expensive on FanDuel. So they're they're you know they're they're not close anymore at this point. So again, that's why I think I think that the thousand dollar savings on, on DK is definitely worth it to to get down to James. Yeah, like if, if I get there though, and that thousand dollars doesn't matter, sure. Uh, I think Hodgins is at least as high and probably a higher ceiling guy. Yeah, I, I, I'd lean Hodgins on FanDuel. Where you know touchdowns do matter more, I do think Hodges is the better touchdown bet. And again, the, the pricing gap is actually smaller between them on Fanduel than it is on DraftKings. And it seems like we're both easily going with one of those two guys over Darius Slayton, right? Yes, I am. The huge difference there is Darius Slayton works downfield, and that's going to be the toughest area for the Giants to beat yep. these Eagles. Hodgins also him versus James. The A dot is about three yards deeper. Um, both over the course of the season and last week. So there's just a little bit more of the physical upside there. Yeah, you said it exactly. Outside and deep is not where you want to attack the Eagles defense. That's that's Slayton, um, you know, over the middle short, um, which is mostly James and Hodgins does a lot of that too. Though. That's, that's, that's where you attack this pass defense. Tight end, Jared. Evan Ingram stands as fairly easily the top yeah. value, I think. And you look at it's not just about value. Like I said earlier, you're chasing upside over value, but he doesn't lose anything on upside. So the case for him, game conditions favoring passing volume for Jacksonville here. They are the biggest underdogs on the slate. It's the highest game total by the Vegas numbers right now. The Chiefs are soft on defense, and they're actually softer against the pass than the run at this point by the numbers. And we saw last week where Evan Ingram got opportunities and delivered against a defense that is tougher than the one that they're facing this week, especially against tight ends. Yeah, I mean, to me, the only argument against Ingram is this is actually a pretty loaded tight end slate considering we only have eight teams. I mean, we obviously have Travis Kelsey against Jacksonville, who Football Outsider says is the worst tight end defense in their DVOA. Um, Kelsey went for 81 yards in a score against them back in week 10. So you know, he's obviously an elite play. I like Dallas Goddard a lot this week, too. Um, and we talked about it last week with, with TJ Hawkinson. It's just a, it's a bad Giants tight end defense. They've given up two big games to Hawkinson over the last month or so. They gave up two TDs to Dalton Schultz over that span. Goddard went uh, six catches, 46 yards, and seven targets against the Giants back in week 18. So, you know, not a, not a slate breaker. But again, you know, I mean, we, he, he has the upside to do, you know, what Hawkinson has done against this defense over the past um, few games. So, 4500 bucks for Goddard on DraftKings. He's, he's actually my favorite play at tight end this week. I think he's going to come in a bit lower owned than Evan Ingram, but I, you know, I'll be curious to see how those ownership projections end up settling. I think the shorter slate also makes it very viable to play two tight ends here. Yeah. And we, you know, we, there are all of those guys are attractive. I agree. And that's definitely going to be in my rundown for the draft show that we're doing in a little bit. Yep. Agreed. Over to defense for me, there's no truly good play this week. So I think I probably lean toward the Bengals as a top option. They're nice and cheap. And yep. the Dolphins were the top scoring fantasy defense last week against the Bills. Seven sacks, three takeaways, a defensive touchdown obviously helped power that. But we've seen the Bills, even when they score a lot of points, are capable of being quite sloppy. Yes, I think the Bengals are the cheap D to play. I definitely prefer them over the Jags and the Giants, who are also down there. Um, 
I like the Bills on the other side of that game. Again, because the Bengals are missing those three O-linemen, or likely missing those three O-linemen. We know uh, Lyle Collins is definitely out. I think Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa are going to be out too. Um, and Plus, too, the, the Bengals are going to chuck it regardless. I mean, they've been the pass-heaviest offense in the NFL, looking at pass rate over-expected for you know, the past month or two now, and I think that's going to continue. So just you know, sack opportunities, interception opportunities. So I think Buffalo's interesting. And then um, I, like, I like Dallas too. Man, this – Brock Purdy run has to end at some point. He didn't. He didn't even play well last week. He missed throws, but the Shanahan scheme and the weapons just—it it doesn't matter. But at some point, I think it's going to matter. Um, and two, th- so these are the defenses that Purdy has faced. He he came in for Garoppolo in the game against Miami. Then it was Tampa, who you know has some talent. Then Seattle, Washington, Vegas, Arizona, and Seattle again. You know, to me, this Dallas defense is. Definitely the best pass rush he's going to have face. I know we talked about the secondary having some issues, but easily the best pass rush he's he's going to face. So I don't know. Maybe um, you know seventh round rookie Brock Purdy will 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 show himself on on uh, Saturday or, or Sunday. Jared Smola slinging the Brock Purdy <laughs> haterade on this divisional round Friday. Someone's got to do it. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. I certainly think, you know, like I said, there's no truly good play this week. And the way that he scored fantasy points last week, he being Brock Purdy, is certainly not going to encourage anybody to play the defense against him. So I agree that there is a case for playing that Dallas defense, likely to be lower owned with some upside because we are still talking about a rookie quarterback. Like, even if you're very good, one hiccup is bound to come at some point. Yeah, you think, you think. (laughs) unless you're Brock Purdy that's going to do it for this divisional round DFS podcast which will actually be our last DFS pod for the season Jared and I will be back on the YouTube channel in a little bit to do our final draft show as we mentioned the slates coming down to next week it'll just be four teams and then two weeks till the Super Bowl after that but we are going to have more shows we're going to be jumping into the dynasty stuff starting next week and then you know before we know it Jared it's going to be rookie scouting time it's going to be nfl draft time we're going to be moving into next season we're going to have projections for 2023 before too long so the season never really ends right no rest for us no rest for you no rest for me it's football all the time just phases all right for jared small and the rest of the draft sharks crew i'm matt shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us